Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 379 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here on this Friday night, April 7, 2023. There's a lot to discuss. The Padres, their first two games in the Atlanta Braves series in Atlanta. Padres just finished up getting their first road win of the year. Peter got the save, a 5-4 win over the Braves. We'll talk about that, talk about Blake Snell's outing yesterday, some of the bullpen struggles, even though the bullpen pitched good today. So one of the storylines this year so far with the Padres has been the bullpen struggles. How is that going to get fixed? Uh, some rehab updates, Fernando Tatis Jr., Joe Musgrove, and then San Diego Sports stuff as well at the end, uh, as always. So let's first get to... Tonight's game, Padres won 5-4 to four over the Braves. I was encouraged by this win. There was some defensive miscues, but and Nick Martinez, I guess we can start there. Nick Martinez, he didn't pitch the best. Did not have his best game. Um, let's look at his final line here. His final line, he didn't make it through, through five. Four and two-thirds innings, gave up four earned runs, walked five guys. Four strikeouts, gave it one home run. If Mud was on this broadcast, by the way, the broadcast was on Apple TV Plus. If Mud was doing the game on TV, it would have been like last night with Snell. Too many walks, just too many. And especially, like, that's too many walks. I'm not used to watching Nick Martinez start and he walks that many guys. Uh, the real story pitching wise tonight was the bullpen for me. Um, Honeywell, two innings. Got out of bases loaded jam that Martinez got into. Um, struck out. I forget who the strikeout was. It was right down the middle pretty much on a fastball. Just blew it right past him. Two scoreless things there. Struck out three guys. Then Luis Garcia came in. I guess he wasn't available last night in the Padres' law. But he was available tonight after back-to-back days off because there was the off day into this series. And he ends up pitching pretty well. Inning in a third. One hit. One walk, uh, but he doesn't give up any runs. He got out of a bases-loaded jam. Uh, got a little 
pop out to short with Xander to end the eighth. Hayter came in, obviously, for the ninth, got the save. Uh, Bogarts, he made an error, I think, in the eighth inning. There was that throwing error, took Crony off the bag, but then he made a really nice double play to, you know, gut for that. Uh, Crony, I mean, he's, like I said in my post-game reaction that I put up here on this YouTube channel, uh, that you, you guys can watch. Uh, Padres fans, it's for you. My quick reaction after almost every game, in case you don't like the longer episodes, is quick reaction. Um, with Crony, like he's he's impressed me so far at first base. I'm not necessarily surprised. It just it's kind of a shock to my system uh, because we've been used to having a guy be unathletic at first base and not know how to stretch and just not a very flexible first baseman. Uh, but with Crony, definitely flexible, middle infielder, plays multiple positions. I mean, the catch that he made last night, running toward or running towards the outfield um, and into foul territory, obviously, and makes the catch jump, you know, jumps over pretty much the the ledge or whatever's there down the line. Tremendous catch, goes into the netting. What a play. And then tonight some stretch uh, catches that he made. Looks comfortable, fielding balls, sprinting over to first. So I really like what I'm seeing out of Crony. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes home the first baseball glove award at some point with the Padres in his career. Maybe it's not this year because the voters don't recognize. Who are the voters? Is it players and coaches? I forget who the voters are. I don't know if it's the media for the gold glove. Maybe it's players, coaches. If that's the case, then maybe Crony does get it. Uh, because he looks really comfortable at first base. Uh, and I know he, he's worked his butt off at it in spring training. So, again, we shouldn't be surprised by it, but I still love seeing it. Definitely much better than the other option that we had or the other guy that was there for, you know, four and a half years, just making our heads spin just because of how bad he was. Um, so that's that's been great. Um, Soto, maybe the Padres should give him a day off just to reset his mind today. I think he had another offer today, right? He almost did a home run. So I, I don't want to say he's like, he sucks, um, or he's sucking. He obviously doesn't suck. I'm not saying that he does. I, I just think it would probably be beneficial for him to maybe have a day off. Um, hopefully the Padres, they don't have to give him like a day off where he misses a game. Because I know he doesn't want to miss games. Maybe it's a postponed game tomorrow and they get a doubleheader on Sunday. And he just gets a, he gets a mental day off without actually having, having to miss one of the Padres games. And then he can play both games of the day-night doubleheader on Sunday if tomorrow's game gets postponed. I guess the weather's not so great. I know the Masters got suspended today. There was a tree that fell. Thank goodness that none of the patrons uh, got hurt. But then there was also like storms in the area, and that's I think a few hours away from Atlanta and Truist Park. So keep an eye on the weather tomorrow. Don't be surprised if the game doesn't happen or if the game gets you know suspended until uh, before the Sunday night game on ESPN has to get going on Sunday night. Uh, but getting back to Soto, he went 0 for 4 tonight, almost hit a home run. He did score a run. He walked. Uh, but he did strike out. It doesn't feel like he's staying back. I'm not a hitting coach, so I'm not going to get too far deep into his mechanics or anything like that. But it just seems like he's really anxious, you know, trying to get out of this this slump of his. And he's just not, just doesn't seem like it's the normal Juan Soto swing. Uh, Manny went two for four. How about having a day, Nelson Cruz, huh? My goodness. First three at-bats were hits. Had an RBI double down the line, then a bullet up the middle. I mean, what a day. Drove in two runs. So he finishes the day three for five out of that DH spot uh, in the four hole. And again, like I've said on previous shows or before the season started with the Carpenter Cruz platoon, right? Carpenter homers yesterday off of Spencer Strider. Then there's a lefty on the mound, so Nelly gets the start, and he has a huge day. So. I wouldn't be surprised if that platoon continues to work this year as long as those guys are healthy. Um, 
We'll see if Campy gets a start tomorrow if the game's played, or he get. I would think he would get a start on Sunday if there's a doubleheader. Because Nola started again today, went 0 for 3. And I don't think the Padres want to just have Campy not play for a substantial period of time or significant period of time. Now, we might have diff- different definitions of what a significant period of time is. But for me, I would say like four or five games is a significant period of time. It's a four-game series. and If Campy doesn't get in at all, that would be kind of surprising to me. And Darvish is scheduled to pitch on Monday instead of Tuesday. Weathers is going Tuesday against the Mets. So I would think Nola starts Monday's game. So, yeah, I would expect Campy to get in there either tomorrow or sometime on Sunday. Um, getting back to Nick Martinez, I'm going to get to the chat. Don't worry. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in here live on YouTube. I encourage you to hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Um, so you don't miss, turn on the notification. You don't miss when I go live or when I put a video out. If you're on replay, I definitely appreciate you well and all the podcast listeners. Getting back to Nick tonight. So uncharacteristic with the walks, right? Five walks seem like you just not find the strike zone with the breaking balls. And he trying to go when he, when he was like up 0-2 in counts, ahead in counts, going breaking ball down in the dirt and he kept going to it and it wasn't working he kept going to it so his pitch count got up there he got to over 100 pitches and five innings of work and good thing that Honeywell and Garcia didn't pitch yesterday right that made him available because Chris Matt obviously wasn't going to be going today Toppy wasn't going to be going today they probably wanted to stay away from Wilson so some limited options but Honeywell pitched great two innings Garcia inning and a third and then Hayden came in. Finally, we got to see him again. Sad save on the year. He looked good. Yeah, he gave up a hit. Um, got two strikeouts, two punchouts. Um, and then he got that grounder to end the game. Man, hopefully Robert Suarez can get back soon because this bullpen, it is a little concerning. Especially if Joe Musgrove, he doesn't come back till the 16th. That means that the bullpen's probably going to have only seven guys in it for another what is that another week and a half because today's the seventh a little less than a week and a half um because if musgrove doesn't come back then it's the same six guys right you think weathers continues to be in the rotation and even if musgrove does come back you just have weathers go down and then that's still six men so when musgrove comes back do the padres decide to go with a five-man, because that's what Musgrove's schedule is right now. He had a rehab start yesterday. His next start is on the 11th. We don't know if that's in El Paso or that's going to be in New York against the Mets. We figure that it's going to be in New York, or excuse me, not going to be in New York. We figure it's going to be in El Paso with weather scheduled to start on Tuesday. That's Musgrove's scheduled start date, his next start. And then the next start after that would be the 16th. So that puts him on, you know, on progress on schedule to go every five days so that leads me to believe that they're going to go with the five-man rotation when musgrove comes back so who goes out weathers obviously but after that is it lugo or is it martinez i think most padres fans would probably say yeah nick martinez is the one that goes out because he has the long man bullpen experience lugo he, he can pitch multiple innings out of the bullpen, but it seemed like with the Mets, he was more of like an eighth-inning guy, setting up for Edwin Diaz, high-leverage spots, and Lugo's built up. He just went seven innings in his last start. We'll see what he does this next time around. Uh, I'm definitely excited for that uh, after seeing him pitch last Sunday uh, against, who was that, against uh, Colorado. He went seven innings there, so he's built up. He's looking good. I know it's just one start, but he's looking good. Martinez didn't get through five. I know he's built up, went over 100 pitches today, but Martinez can still help the team a lot being a long man in the bullpen and adding an extra guy in the bullpen, and they have Lugo, who's built up. Just keep him as a starter. You know, you brought him in, and you said you were going to give him a good chance to start. So give him a few more starts. I'm not saying Martinez can't go back into the rotation, 
But having that extra long man, someone that was able to do it last year effectively in Nick Martinez, I think that's probably the guy the Padres would put in the bullpen if they decide to go with the five-man after Musgrove comes back. That's just my two cents on that. So that's the, the rehab update for Musgrove. He's, on, he's pitching on an every fifth-day schedule. P- pitched last night, four and a third innings, gave up two earned runs, five hits, six punch-outs on 85 pitches. So 85 pitches, you know, Martinez, like I just said, went over 100. Like, guys are built up. So Musgrove, if he wants to get to that level, he's probably going to have to go one more rehab start in El Paso, which would be on the 11th, I think, on that Tuesday. And then on the 16th, that Sunday game at home against the Brewers, would be his regular season debut. Again, that's if he keeps pitching on the every fifth day schedule. Um, Tatis, he homered two days ago, was called a cheater by Cade McClure, I think was that dude's name, the the minor leaguer who I'd never heard of entering that night. It was a pretty nice bomb by Tatis. He rounds the bases, does his thing. I go to bed, I wake up the next morning, and I see this tweet just blow up from Cade McClure. I guess he's the one that gave it up calling Tatis a cheater. I had a video out this on YouTube the other day about it. And I'm like, why is this guy talking? And I guess he said to the media or to some publication that he was being sarcastic, but it's Twitter. You know, sometimes sarcasm doesn't work. And when you just gave up a bomb and you call a dude a cheater, it just makes you sound salty. And he had a tweet, someone dug, I think Jim Russell, because of course he does. He has all this time on his hands to do that. He, he went through Cade McClure's Twitter and found a tweet that was like him saying, if you don't like it, play better or something like that. And so he posted that and that made its rounds on social media. So yeah, that old tweet kind of bit him in the butt. Um, I guess he deleted that tweet calling Tatis a cheater said cheater hits a home run during PD suspension, something like that. It was just stupid. He should have never tweeted it, dude. You gave up a bomb. Tatis isn't cheating. He's just a really good player. Maybe that's why you've been in the minor leagues for seven years uh, and you're just making it to AAA. Um, Look, I respect guys that are in the minor leagues for a long time and they're grinding and all that, but I just think it was unnecessary. Didn't need to, to tweet that when you gave up a bomb, I mean, because I think millions, I know hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people saw that tweet that he had, and it was him giving up a bomb. So I wouldn't want that on my social media, me giving up a bomb. But, hey, that's probably why he deleted it. But he he definitely, uh, he thought he knew what he was doing. He thought he was going to have the good tweet and get a lot of likes on that. He got a lot of engagement, but um, yeah, I think most people think of him as like a fool for tweeting that. So Tatis, I think he's playing tonight for El Paso. Didn't play yesterday. It was a scheduled day off, so no need to worry about that. Um, played two days in a row for El Paso. He's looking good, scoring runs, getting hits. Everything's good there, playing in right field. So everything looks good. Uh, scheduled return April 20th against the Diamondbacks still, but if the Padres can't get in a game during this road trip, Braves, Mets, maybe some iffy weather, then that return date will get pushed back to April 21st if they miss the game, April 23rd if they can't play two, so forth, so on. So uh, I know that a lot of fans probably have purchased those tickets for April 20th in Arizona. Just a warning, it might not be on April 20th. Right now, the return date is April 20th, but it might not be on April 20th. Uh, Tatis, they're finishing up that Sacramento series, I think, and then they're heading to El Paso. So Tatis will get his first time, first games in El Paso because, remember, he was playing for double A. I think it was the, was it the Sod Poodle? No, it might have been the, I think it was still the mission. And now it's the missions again, but it was the Sod Poodles for a little stretch there. He was playing double A. Then in 2019, had the great spring training, never did AAA. Just went right to the big leagues. So this will be his first games in El Paso. So I'm sure those uh, those fans in El Paso are very happy that they're going to get to finally see Fernando. It's in a rehab assignment, but 
Uh, I think they're they're happy that they're going to finally get to see Tatis play in person. Um, all right. So we hit on today's game. Let's let's see what the chat's thinking. What are you guys thinking on today's game? On anything that I've said so far uh, in the show? Again, I have uh, the link. If you want to join the show, join the conversation. It's up pinned in the chat. I believe it's pinned. Should be. Um, so just click that link if you want to join. I see someone here, uh, Padres fan. Yeah, disconnect and then come back on because your connection wasn't working there. Uh, Cameron says, us getting Otani looking better and better. I mean, I'm not going to... I don't think this is really an Otani. We can we can talk about Otani because I'm gonna get to the Soto stuff here in a second. Um, but that's a long ways away, and I feel like the Padres they're they're fo- maybe their focus is on Otani because the Soto stuff. I mean, it never got off the ground per John Heyman, so I'll get to that here in a sec. Um, I wouldn't say us getting Otani looking better and better. I don't know how much of a chance we do have at getting Otani. I think we have a decent chance, but we don't know what he wants. You know, I know some Japanese players, they don't want to join other Japanese players because that other guy might get overshadowed. And if Otani comes to the Padres, you Darvish is getting overshadowed. And maybe he doesn't want that respect-wise, you know. And he can go to another team like the Dodgers and be like the main Japanese player on the team. Devin says, much better performance from the bullpen tonight. Still some glaring gaps that need to be polished, but tonight should be a good foundation moving forward, hopefully. Yeah. And I think, look, Garcia, I wasn't worried about. He came back after the bad outing on the day game. He came back tonight, pitched well. Um, Honeywell pitched well. He has strikeout stuff. We know that. It's some of the other guys in the bullpen, like Chris Matt. He had a good year last year. I'm not saying he should be kicked off the roster. Definitely not saying that. I still believe in him. But, he, you know, the fastball, he doesn't have a high-velocity fastball, you know. So when he's not hitting his spots, I know he's gotten unlucky a little bit at times this year. But let, let's see how he can do in this, you know, second full year with the Padres, right? I think it's his second year, right? Yeah. Second full year with the Padres. Let's see what he can do. Um, can he do it consistently again? It's guys like him, uh, you know, the rest of the bullpen I'm not, like, concerned about. It's just that they've gotten off to some slow, disappointing starts, and when you have a six-man rotation, that means that you have a seven-man bullpen. You can't have an eight-man bullpen because there's that 13-pitcher restriction. So that shortens the bullpen, and that puts more pressure on, really, I don't say seven guys, I, more like six guys, because Hater only pitches when it's the ninth inning and it's a save situation, right? He's a one-inning guy. So it's really six guys that have a lot of pressure, and then it's a bonus if they can get the Hater. Uh, ben with the Super Chat. I don't know if my name is familiar, but what the F is wrong with Soto? He's Look, he almost hit a bomb tonight, um, I think. Can I say this? I might have said this after you put this super chain, but I did talk about it for a minute. I think that I, I don't, I'm not saying pressing. I'm reluctant to say he's pressing. What I will say is it just feels like he's not staying back. But I also hesitate to talk about mechanics because I'm not a hitting coach. <laughs> um, we should go talk to Ryan Flaherty and Juan Soto himself. Hopefully, Kevin Macy or Dennis Lynn or someone in the media can ask Juan Soto how he's feeling at the plate, like, are his mechanics off? He's slumping, like, what's going on there? I'd like those questions to be asked. Um, I'm not concerned long-term about Soto. He's Juan Soto. I know fans are going to be frustrated with Juan Soto's performance because of last year when he came over, and this year it's not great so far. But trust me, it's Juan Soto. He's going to turn it around. It's just a matter of time. Um, oh, you know, says crony putting in work after that contract. Well deserved. Well, he was putting in work before too. He was working his butt off. Sprinting. 
yeah, life is boss talks talking about the gold gloves. I don't I don't know if it's the writers. I know that's like MVP, right? Cy Young, but gold glove, that's not that's a different thing, I think. I think it's a player and coach's vote. I don't I don't think that it's the writers. Or maybe maybe it's like split. I think the players and coaches do have a vote in it. Like they, they do have a say in it. Devin says, Crony adapting to a new position, especially first base. Feels refreshing to see. Love that we have an athletic first baseman. Yep, totally agree on that. Irie says they need to keep, give Campy a start tomorrow. They might if they get the game in. Who's pitching tomorrow, Lugo? Or is it Wa no, Waka, right? I think Waka's pitching tomorrow. Let me double check that. Tomorrow. Yeah, Waka against Charlie Morton. But again, we, we don't know if that game's even going to get played with the weather in Georgia. Yeah, I see some I see some people sick of Nola. Sick of Nola. Look, he's not going to give you a whole lot offensively. Hopefully he comes up with, with the timely hits at the bottom of the order. He's not going to throw a bunch of guys out. I know that's really frustrating during games when guys are running all over the place, right? It's frustrating, but he commands the pitching staff well. He's comfortable, or excuse me, pitchers are comfortable with Nola more than Campy right now. So I think Nola's going to be the starter until pitchers get more comfortable pitching to Campy, and Campy proves himself. Now, he has to get the opportunities to prove himself, and so... Bowmel, the coaching staff, has to give Campy the opportunities. Until that happens, Nola is going to be catching most of the games. And I anticipate that. I anticipate him catching most of the games this year. It's going to take time for Campy to take over as the starting catcher, I, I think. Unless, obviously, like an injury happens. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, a lot of chats here. I know you guys are chatting amongst yourselves, so I'm just scrolling through some. Uh, Edit says, I want to see a little more of Soto before we give him a $500 million contract. I know a lot of people won't agree with me, but I've watched him since he started playing. I mean, would it be nice for the Padres to wait to give Soto a $500 million contract? for him to have a good year with the Padres, I, I guess. But I'm already sold on Juan Soto. I would be fine with the Padres giving him a $500 million contract because it's Juan Soto. He's, in, he's 24 years old. This is not an Eric Hosmer situation. I, I'm, I'm very confident in Juan Soto. He's going to turn it around. It's going to happen. He's one of the best players in baseball. So... I would be fine with giving him a $500 million contract. I, I, at the same time, I definitely understand the viewpoint from some, like Edith, that, that want to see more from Soda before giving him 500 Can he do this in a Padres uniform, please? I, I definitely understand that viewpoint. But um, I'd be willing to give it to him. But it might cost more than just $500 million. Which... 
brings us into the Juan Soto conversation, uh, which we will get to here in a second. Um, but first, check out Gaglion Bro's famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so according to John Heyman, he wrote in a little notes piece for the New York Post today that the Padres, they did check in with Juan Soto on a possible extension in the winter. Those talks never got off the ground. Some Padres fans, I guess, in the in replies to that today were like pissed off at Soto, like doesn't want to be here. That's fine. I don't want to pay $500 million for a guy that grounds out to second or pay $500 million to a guy that walks all the time. But I think those Padres fans are just emotional right now, overreacting to Soto's slow start offensively this year. And I, th- I think if you see Juan Soto long-term, let's say he doesn't sign a contract, but you see the, the, the big sample size the next two years, right? You see that, and you combine it with the national years. Who will be willing to give Juan Soto $500 million if he hits free agency? I think you will. I'm not surprised that these talks never got off the ground. The Padres had a lot going on, right? The WBC, the Manny Machado extension, they were working on a Jake Cronenworth extension that we didn't even know about, right? That news came out the night that it like was done, you know? Physical was already taken. Uh, they were working on a lot of things. The Darvish extension happened in the offseason, right? And obviously all the moves that were made in the offseason. Soto was away with the WBC, right? And he was dealing with injuries. So they were probably more focused on getting him healthy than contract talks. And there's plenty of time to get an extension done. I'm not... I'm not too sure that one will get done. It feels like he's set on going to free agency right now. Uh, But like Boris, Soto, they're not in a rush. They're not in a rush to sign an extension. They're going to wait for the Shohei Otani deal to happen. Because then they're going to use that and be like, well, Soto will say, I'm younger than him. I don't do both. I don't pitch and hit, but I play the field every day. I'm trying to improve on that. I'm one of the best hitters in baseball. You're paying these guys a ton of money in contracts. How about you give me one? You know how talented I am, right? And they obviously have a lot of numbers to to back it up, right? Not just me saying this. There's a lot more things that they can say to the Padres or to other teams. Um, Soto, Boris, they're, they're not in a rush to get an extension done. And I think the Padres, I don't know if they're in a rush right now. They're focused on this season. Uh, They were focused on other extensions, other deals. And I think they know that Soto doesn't want to sign an extension right now. So why why waste time trying to convince Soto to sign an extension when you know he's not going to sign one right now? So I'm not surprised by this this news, excuse me. uh, this isn't something that I'm going to freak out about. Oh, no, Juan Soto's gone. No. And at the same time, may- maybe the Padres are thinking, you know what, we can, if let's not sign Soto. Let- let's not go hard on, an- on a Soto extension right now. Let's try for Otani. If we get Otani, all right, we don't need to bring back Soto. We have Soto, Otani, and Manny. And Bogarts and Tatis for 2024, right? Just go all in that year, right? If they don't get Otani, then they can go hard for Soto. And see, I see this in the comments. Someone says, trade Soto. Like, come on, guys. Let's be a little smarter. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. You don't trade a guy that you gave up, like, your whole farm system for when he has two years of control left, and he's one of the best players in baseball. Remember, he was heating up there at the end of the postseason. Uh, and he was a he was a good reason why the Padres got as far as they did in the postseason. Um, yeah, I think some are just being emotional right now. 
saying trade Soto. They're not trading Juan Soto. It's not happening. The only way I see it happening is like if they're not going to bring him back, it's clear they're not going to bring him back. And the Padres aren't like they fall out of contention next year. And he has a year left of control or a half year left of control. And they say, yeah, let's trade him. But I, that's like a 1% chance of happening, right? So they're not trading him. I don't think there's a rush for an extension on either side of things. Well, if Soto signed an extension tomorrow, would I be excited? Of course. I'd be really, really excited. I would be amazing. But Padres aren't in a rush. They might just want to go after Otani and get him. Then they can go hard for Soto. Um, Soto, like, he's going to wait for Otani to sign before he signs anything, I think. I think it would be dumb unless he gets offered $600 million by the Padres. I think it would be dumb for him to be like, yeah, sign this contract with not even knowing what Otani's going to get in free agency. All right, I wanted to hit on the Padres game yesterday. Padres lost 7-6. to six. Uh, Blake Snell was Blake Snell. 70 pitch, what, what do you have? Like, uh, No, I think that was the last down here. 70 pitches in three innings. Uh, but he did not get through four, didn't get through five on opening day, and did not get through four innings yesterday. Gave up six hits, walked four guys, only struck out two, nine strikeouts in his first outing. So it was still Blake Snell the first outing, right? A lot of pitches, but had the strikeouts. This outing yesterday, a lot of pitches, didn't have the strikeouts. Uh, walks. Changing up slider, not throwing it for strikes. And I was I was reading uh, Kevin Acey's newsletter this morning, and he's throwing the slider, the chained up for a strike like half the time. That's not good enough. So maybe he needs to put the cha- the the change up back in timeout. The slider is so nasty that he's probably not going to put that in timeout. But if the change up is, if he can't throw that for a strike consistently, just you know, the opposing team's going to eliminate it. So how about you eliminate it and just focus on throwing strikes with the pitches you can throw strikes with? Should we, we should we be worried about Blake Snell right now? Long-term for this season? No. I'm not worried about Blake Snell long-term. Can he help the Padres in the postseason? Like, I'm not worried about that. I think he can. He pitched really well in the second half last year. That's just what Blake Snell is. I was really hoping, and he still could turn it around. It's only two starts. I was really hoping that Blake Snell was going to be the second half Blake Snell all year long this year. Walk year, Bob Melvin was saying, like, this is the most prepared he's been, the best that he's looked going into a season with the Padres, better than last year, obviously. I was taking those signs like, okay, maybe maybe Blake Snell can be the second half Blake Snell here to start off the year. And he continues to be the Blake Snell of old. The, the first half Blake Snell. That's just who he is. And will he have a few good starts this first half? Yeah, because the talent's there. And he talked about it being in his head. So if that's the case, and, and, and he's really in his head, uh, and he's his own worst enemy, he was telling that to the media. Some, Not that quote, like, directly, but pretty much saying, like, he's his own worst enemy right now. Like, stop thinking. That's what I would tell him. I'm not Ruben Niebla, obviously. I've, he knows way more about pitching and Snell than I do, right? Or any of us do. But I would tell him, stop thinking and just pitch. You know? Or how about just throw? Don't try to pitch for an inning. Or this bullpen session, just throw. You know, the side session before the next start, just throw. Don't try to be perfect hitting spots. Just throw. Try to just throw strikes. See how that works. Because if he's not going to throw some of these pitches in the strike zone consistently, the opposing team's going to eliminate them. And guess what? That gets you behind in counts. That puts your pitch count higher. That leads to more walks, more base runners, and more trouble. And that puts more of a burden on the bullpen, right? Last night, Tapia, Wilson, Hill, and Chris Matt all had to pitch. I put out the bullpen chart before today's game. Tapia had 35 pitches. Wilson, 28. Hill, 22. Chris Matt, 17. That's four relievers that almost all had 
20 pitches last night. That can't happen. Blake has to be better. He has to provide more length, especially when it's only a seven-man bullpen and really a six-man because when the Padres are losing, Hater, you eliminate him. He's not coming in the game. So, and actually last last night, it was a four-man bullpen because Honeywell and Garcia weren't pitching. So that really taxes the bullpen. So I'm not concerned long-term about Snell. He's going to turn around because that's just his track record. But it's just, it continues to be mad that we keep Watts in the first half. Um, so that's really my view on it. I'm not surprised this is happening. It's just really, really disappointing uh, and just irritating that this continues to happen with Blake, you know, in the first half of the season every year with the Padres. And I was maybe I was just too optimistic. And it's two starts. He could turn it around and have a tremendous first half. And we'd forget about the first two starts. But right now, it's the same Blake Snell we've been used to with the Padres in the first half of seasons, which is unfortunate. And then the rest of the bullpen, Tapia pitched better last night. Steven Wilson pitched good. Uh, Hill, Chris Matt combined to allow three runs. Chris Matt, he's got his spots for success, right? I'm not going to get on him too hard because his track record shows that he, he can be an impact reliever for Padres. Pretty good reliever. Uh, but he's got eight of spots. And maybe he's just getting a little overused. I mean, yesterday, he said after the game that he felt really good. Like, this is the best that he's felt. And sometimes things just doesn't go his way. The, the RC walk-off, that pitch is outside. That was not a, a, like a right middle pitch. So, sometimes things just don't go your way. Uh, so, I can't really, like, pinpoint specific guys I'm like worried about in the bullpen but it's just the collective group in the bullpen that just aren't pitching as well as we hoped they would have um you know going into the season and it's early right but when you have a seven man really six man bullpen that that's that's an issue when your bullpen's struggling limited amount of guys to go to and then when guys like snow aren't giving you innings it makes it even worse, right? They had a 6-4 lead last night, and they end up losing the game. All right, back to the chat. Ari asks, was I tripping or was Ryan Weathers in the bullpen tonight? I could have sworn. He might have been in the bullpen, but he's not going to be used as a reliever. Unless it's like one inning or like, you know, they're using that as a side session in the game because they literally don't have any more relievers. But that wasn't the case really tonight. So he, he might just be chilling in the bullpen. Uh, Nick Martinez after the game tonight says, Honeywell, effing great job, man. He picked me up huge right there, picked up the whole team. Yeah, there's that bases loaded situation where Honeywell got out of it. Because uh, Nick, I think it was multiple walks in that inning. I know it was one. Because Melvin allowed him to stay in when some were questioning whether he Martinez should have stayed in in that spot. Strikes out a guy and then walks a guy. I think it was on a breaking ball down in that breaking ball. Had some trouble with it tonight. A lot of balls in the dirt. And then that's when he got taken out. And then uh, Honeywell came in and got out of it. Jay Gonzalez asks, what's your take on Nelly Cruz? I, I like him as a platoon DH and a guy off the bench, especially for $1 million. Of course, sign me up for that. Um, Artris? Artris? Yes. I wonder how long a $500 million contract would be. 15 years? At least, I would think. 15, maybe 16 years. The guy's 24. Soto's 24. So if the Padres were to give him 16 years, that takes him through 40. If they were to scrap these two years on the contract, uh, or they just add it on and they just release him if he doesn't want to play anymore, you know, when he's 38 or whatever. They might do that with Bogarts. Who knows? Because 
money keeps increasing, like the value, like these contracts keep going up. So by the time it's 2040, maybe whatever Bogarts is making is nothing. And Scyther will be like, yeah, okay, I'll just, I'll just release you. That's like, that's like a hundred bucks to me, whatever. Mills says, ask yourself this. Has Soto gotten better or worse since starting? What do you mean? Since being on the Padres? I mean, he had a down year last year, even when he was with the Nationals, too. So, yeah, he's not played the best with the Padres. He has not played at the level that he did consistently with the Nationals, consistently with the Padres. But he had a much bigger sample size with the Nationals when he was an amazing player than he's had, you know, sample size-wise with, with the Padres. Jay Gonzalez, Otani or Soto, what's your pick? Otani or Soto, excuse me. What's your pick? $500 million plus dollar deal. I'm going Soto. Younger. Um, I don't know how much longer Otani is going to do both. And so I'm going to pay $50 million a year to a guy that might not be pitching in five years just to be the DH. No, thanks. All right, I'll get back to the chat. And there's also some other San Diego sports stuff to get to. But first... I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. The underdog, I think higher lower entry tonight for Nick Martinez was around four strikeouts. And I think I said lower on that on my pregame thoughts. I think I said lower. And he ended up getting four strikeouts tonight. He walked more guys than he struck out, so that's not great when you look at that. I don't expect that to continue, that's for sure. Um, James says, I'd rather have Gore back and no Juan Soto. Hopefully we do fall out in 2024 and that garbage is traded away. His time in San Diego so far sucks. See, this is being reactionary. It's not a big enough sample size to say, I'd rather have Gore back and no Soto. And you're saying that you hopefully, hopefully the Padres fall out of it in 2024. Aren't we trying to win right now? Isn't so you don't want to win? That's what you're saying. You don't want to win in 2024. I'm focused on the now, but you bring 2024. Next year, the Padres are going to have a great chance of winning, you would think. Again, after this year, 
So no, why would why do you why would you hope we fall out? So you trade Soto? No, you're, we're in this to win. So yeah, I definitely disagree with that. All right, some other San Diego sports stuff today. So um, the San Diego Loyal, I think it was announced yesterday, actually. They're going to be playing Seattle Sounders in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup on April 26th in Seattle. That's the second matchup for the Loyal ever uh, against an MLS team. I think they played L.A. L.A. Galaxy last year, lost 1-0. Uh, that was a close game. They just won their second-round matchup um, at San Diego State. So, yeah, they advance, and that, that's going to be cool that they're going to get to play an MLS team, and hopefully an MLS team is going to be in San Diego soon in the next few years. There was something interesting about that. Uh, Petra Development, the other day, they say that it wants to finance a $2.5 billion MLS stadium slash sports complex. $2.5 billion just for the complex and for an MLS stadium. 50,000 seats, I think, is what the capacity would be, which would be the largest soccer-specific stadium in the country. Uh, the MLS, they have not spoken to that pitcher development group, I guess. And it seems like if an MLS team is here, it would probably be at Snapdragon, uh, where the Wave play, where the Aztecs obviously play football. Um, that's where it seems like it would be. But if that falls apart, then maybe these people hop in and they'll definitely, they, it seems like they have the money to pay for it. So that's something to look, um, pay, pay attention to. Uh, San Diego State, they will be having their basketball team celebration. They're going to be having that tomorrow at Snapdragon. Um, gates open at 6 o'clock. The team, I believe, arrives at 6.30. The ceremony starts at, I want to say, 7.30. Dutch is probably going to speak. They'll probably have players on the team speak. Uh, I think it ends at like 8.30. Um, so it'll be fun. I'm sure it's going to be packed. They didn't put it at Vieos so that there'd be room, I would think, for a lot of fans to show up. So maybe the Padres game gets postponed tomorrow, and then that makes it an easy decision for some to head out to Snapdragon. Because this team... They deserve to get praise. They deserve to have this celebration. I know that people saw the Union Tribune article earlier in the week about the parade that was being floated around about uh, San Diego State having a parade on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. downtown San Diego, and they go to Petco Park, and that's where it ends, which made no sense. Like, why is an Aztecs parade ending up at Petco Park? You wouldn't have the Padres World Series parade end up at Viejas, right? So that didn't make sense. Uh, and to have a parade when you didn't win the whole thing, I could see how that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. And that would upset some San Diegans. Like, that's going to be a bad look on us, right? I don't really care what other cities think, but just the parade word, that that kind of doesn't make sense. Like, I don't, we don't need a parade for a team that didn't win at all. Now. Like I said, this team definitely deserves to be celebrated, and they're going to be celebrated tomorrow night. I love what the Aztecs are doing. They're having it at one of the university's stadiums, Snapdragon. They will have more people there, hopefully, than they would have had at Viejas because Viejas, obviously, it's a limited capacity. You know, what, 12,000, I think, something like that. Snapdragon, it's way more. Um, so hopefully a ton of people show up and support the team. Uh, Jaden Ledee, some news there. He will enter the 2023 NBA draft, according to John Rothstein. That news was announced today. Um, he is maintaining his college eligibility, though. Uh, this season, 7.9 points per game on average, 5.3 rebounds, 0.9 assists. For me, when I saw this news, I wasn't surprised that Jaden Ledee is doing this. I wouldn't be surprised if Lamont Butler does this as well. Some other guys on this team do this. Um, you get to keep a win-win. You get to keep the player, you keep college eligibility, and you can go to these workouts where these pro scouts will grade you, evaluate you, and they will tell you 
what you need to improve on, what they think you need to improve on to get in a better position to be drafted higher uh, next year if D comes back to state and he plays another year. I think D will be in a better position to get drafted if he comes back to San Diego State because he wasn't starting. He was coming off the bench. Uh, it was Rope. It was Mensa. It was Bradley. Right? It was Parrish. It was Butler. Those were the starters. Uh, so, or did I say Rope? It was, sorry. It was Bradley. It was Parrish. It was Butler. It was Keyshawn. And who was the other? Mensa. Uh, a rope, Ladie, Seiko, right? They were coming off the bench. So Ladie will improve his stuff, I would think, in a draft if he's a start. And he will. If he comes back, he would be a starter uh, next season. And there'll be more eyeballs on San Diego State, obviously, based off of the big run that they had in the tournament. So I, I think Ladie coming back, I think this is just a, hey, I have nothing to lose. I keep my college eligibility and I get to get this experience of being scouted, do, going through these workouts with pro scouts and meeting with professional teams. I, I, you know, that, that should only help Ladie. If I was Ladie, I would definitely do this because it, it, there's no bad thing about this. There's no negative side of this. I can go back to state and I get this experience. I get this exposure as well. So I'm fine with it. It's nothing to overreact to right now. I anticipate him coming back, but that was a piece of news from San Diego State uh, regarding San Diego State today. Uh, they all San Diego State is also expressing interest in Gonzaga transfer Hunter Salas. I have not, I have no idea who that guy is. I've never heard of him, but you're going to see this. Not just State expressing interest in players from big schools, but other players maybe having San Diego State as a finalist or committing to San Diego State, transferring to San Diego State based off of the run they just had. I think West Coast players, they were always aware of San Diego State, but State was in the national spotlight. And seeing Brian Dutcher in the interviews and in the locker room, like I think players that are looking to transfer to a school that's going to win, good support system, great coaching staff, like San Diego State, that's the place, one of the places to be, right? So this run that San Diego State just went on is definitely going to uh, help them out, you know, in the future. And uh, hopefully the coaching staff stays intact. They deserve raises. Dutch deserve raise it, deserves a raise. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the latest that's going on around San Diego sports right now. The wave they are off this week. Because of the international break, the U.S. women's national team is playing tomorrow and I think on Tuesday. So Taylor Korniak, Alex Morgan, um, and Naomi Gurma, they are on Team USA. They are playing Ireland tomorrow and Tuesday. So that's why no wave this week. And then their next game is going to be against the OL Reign. I think that's on the 15th. I think that's on the 15th. That's Saturday. Or maybe the 16th. I think it's on the 15th. And then they play the Portland Thorns at home on the 19th. So that game will probably be pretty packed. All right. Back to the chat. Had to get my Padres, or not, not my Padres, my San Diego sports talk in there. Tyler says, starting pitching needs to pitch more than five innings. Only Lugo and Darvish got their stuff going. Yeah. I wouldn't say only Lugo and Darvish. I would say Martinez as well the first time around. I would say Waka pitched pretty well. So I disagree with only Lugo and Darvish. But I do agree, yeah, pitching needs to go more than five innings. They need to go more than four and a third or whatever Snell's doing, right? Strike out more guys than you walk, right? Limit the walks. Because, uh, you know, Lugo, right? First pitch strikes. That's key. Being able to locate the breaking ball. Not having a, I know some breaking balls, they're planned, right? Like you're trying to get them in the dirt, but some of them you're trying to, you know, get a strikeout looking, maybe a backdoor breaking ball for a strike and just can't command those pitches. And that's, you know, trouble as we saw from Nick Martinez today. Uh, John says we need PV statue next to Hoffman at Petco. I don't know if they're going to do that. PV, you know, 
Tony and Trevor, right? They're Hall of Famers. PB's not a Hall of Famer. So I don't, I don't think it'll get to that length, but PB will have his number retired, I would think, when Musgrove's done. Him and Musgrove combined for the 44. I think that should happen. Replace it with replace six with 44, please. Gee whiz. Uh, Tyler asks, who do you trust right now in the Padres bullpen? Hater, Luis Garcia, Tim Hill. Um, I want to say Stephen Wilson because it's early in the year. He usually, I mean, last year he pitched well earlier in the year. I still do trust Chris Matt, but he's not the first guy I'd go to. Same with Honeywell. He's not the first guy I'd go to. I know he pitched well tonight, but I, I just have to see more of him. Um, yeah, I mean, three that I'm is Hader, Garcia, and Hill right now. And then I would include Nick Martinez in that if Musgrove comes back and they decide to put the rotation back to five, Weathers is out, and Martinez, say Weathers goes to El Paso, Martinez goes to the bullpen, Martinez would be in that group I trust. All right, I think that's going to do it. Talking Friars, episode 379. I think I got to everything. Padres, Braves, these first two games of the series. The Juan Soto stuff. John Heyman saying that Padres checked in on a possible extension, but nothing got off the ground. The Musgrove Tatis rehab updates. And then a little bit about San Diego sports here at the end. That'll do it. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Padres fans, San Diego sports fans, you guys are the best. Have a great weekend, great Friday night, and I'll talk to you guys later. See ya.